on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. Radio 97.7, ESPN Radio, the Corrobe. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? You can hear us now on the FM. Oh, don't you know it, 96.5. So you can find us there or you can find us anywhere, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Please tune in the ESPN app, find the listen tab, find us, and then we can go with you to great and wonderful, magical places. Here's how you get in touch with the show today, 437-7644. That's the phone number. You can uh, tweet me, Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media, where the show never stops. Or the text line, fire off your texts at 288-0644. Lots of things to do today. Busy Friday show. It's weird because it's we don't really like have a Friday football show to do unless, unless you want us to whip together a preview of the, um, what is it, the AAFL that begins this weekend, the Alliance of American Football, which does have a few former Syracuse players in it. I will tune in out of curiosity. I mean, I'm not going to go out of my way to sit down and watch one of these games, but I will certainly... Watch it if I accidentally see it, if that makes any sense. It'll be curious to see what the reaction is. If people do not only check it out out of curiosity, but stick with it. I wonder what their message is in terms of, and their expectation is in terms of how many people should watch it, will watch it. So there is football on this weekend. I say usually at this point we're out of Friday football shows to do until the fall, but I mean, who knows? Maybe the... Alliance of American Football will bring back our Friday football shows, which I would not complain about at all, trust me. But we have a busy show today. Our good friend Liam McHugh is going to join us this hour from NBC Sports. Now, Liam, of course, is on the main studio for the National Hockey League. He's a part of NBC's Sunday night NFL coverage. He's covered the Olympics. I mean, Liam is big time. But he's also involved in something that I have to admit I have not watched, but have certainly seen the promos for, and that is the Titan Games on NBC, which is this show that The Rock was involved in. So, I mean, we and Liam was a part of this. So we've got to ask about that, right? So a good mix of a few things to discuss with our buddy Liam McHugh from NBC Sports. He will join us right here in this hour. Also, 
this hour. Oh, baby, get ready. Hurricane Beardsley is coming. The Syracuse lacrosse season starts tonight for the men's. The women's team is in action right now, as you heard Seth just tell you during the update, uh, with a commanding 11-1 to lead at this point. So uh, the 27 degrees and falling and very windy conditions outside don't necessarily scream lacrosse, but it is here. Women's team in action, as we mentioned. The men's team plays Colgate tonight at the Carrier Dome, the start of seven straight home games for the Orange. So always good to get the very honest perspective of Uncle Ricky Beast on the show today. Rick Beardsley, you can hear him uh, Saturday mornings on the lacrosse program that he does with Stephen Fonte. It is 4.06, and I have not yet received a text message from Ricky Beast requesting a theme song. He's the only guest on this show that requests his own theme song, and we have not received that request as of yet, but I'm sure we will. Later in the show, we'll talk Syracuse Hoops, Syracuse Athletics, recent conversations with John Wildhack, and more with Chris Carlson, our good friend from Syracuse.com. A lot to get into with him. He'll join us at 5.05. So busy guest day. We will do hot takes as usual, just kind of later in the show. We will do the blind side and all the usual hijinks and tomfoolery you would expect from this program. Syracuse and Boston College leads the way for us. And, you know, it's an interesting game because the last time around, interesting stat here, Syracuse beats Boston College 77-71. to 71. It was just two weeks ago. Only two Syracuse players in that game scored above their average. One was Buddy Beheim, who was a freshman averaging 6.6 points in conference games, comes off the bench, scores 13, and you really start to get a sense that, hey, Buddy is gaining confidence shooting the three. He can help this team off the bench. He can provide them with what they need, another shooter. They need that three-point shooter, and Buddy can do a little bit of, uh, of, as the song once said, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, right? But that's what he's out there to do. Matthias Battle certainly had more than his average that night. 31 points. Just the second time in his three-year career that he scored more than 30 points in a regulation game, and it was a game that Syracuse needed Tyus to go off. 11 for 17 from the field, 4 of 8 from three-point range. Andy dishes out six assists and commits just a turnover while playing 38 minutes in that game. And it represents what Tyus Battle has had to step in and do, and that is take command, take over not only take over games and be the kind of number one presence that Syracuse needs, but to literally take over games at times because Frank Howard has been inconsistent. We've declared Frank back, maybe not back, scores 15, looks like he's back, then goes into the next game, that being Tuesday night against Florida State, and puts zeros on the board in the box score. So we're still kind of trying to figure out what Syracuse is going to get from their senior point guard, and it's February 8th. Like we're This is prime time now. You've got a game you can't slip on a banana peel against Boston College at the Dome tomorrow. We'll see how Kai Bowman does in this game. He had 21 last time around. He's averaging 20 points per game. It's third in the ACC. We know how good of a player he is because we just saw it two weeks ago. Chapman came out in the last game for Boston College. Syracuse didn't really guard him particularly well. He was hitting shots, and by the time they caught up to him, he had put 21 points up. This time around, just two weeks later, what has changed? 
Two players in that game play above their average, Tyus and Buddy. Buddy did not shoot particularly well the last game from three-point range. He went 0 for 6, but has been on a pretty good streak. O'Shea Brissett is a much different player just two weeks later than he was there. We knew he could do what he's doing now, then, but the consistency factor is starting to show up. He's got back-to-back double-doubles. He has said he's just kind of scrapping you know, shooting threes and he's attacking the basket is really honing in on what where his strengths lie. Not that he can't hit threes and won't shoot threes, but he's taken a total of three in the last three games. And that being one in each of those games. Elijah Hughes had a little bit of a dip, but I think is somebody you can count on to hit a few threes, be somewhere in that 13 to 18 point range and provides a difference. Pascal Chukwu, I, you tell me. I have no idea. Barama Sidibe is not even playing at this point. He didn't get in against Florida State, and even when he does, isn't making much of a difference. You know, we focus in on a lot of names here, but even Marek Dolzhai is sort of trailed off from that box score filling game that he can have, but we always know he's capable of doing it. I think, you know, he just kind of got lost in, in, in styles of play. Syracuse has said to make some comebacks or had big leads in games. I think teams are much more aware of him, right? And not that he sees the top line of the opposing defense or is, you know, right there in the top three of the, these are the three things we have to do to beat Syracuse if you're an opposing team that's scouting them. But he's certainly, people are aware of him. But he's always capable of having that box score filling game that he usually does. One thing that's really hurting Syracuse lately is turnover. Syracuse turned the ball over 19 times in its 18-point loss to Florida State, turning into 21, or pardon me, negating 21 turnovers that Florida State had. In seven conference wins, Syracuse has kept its turnovers to a minimum, averaging just 11.7 per game. When they lose in ACC play, as Mike Waters points out here from Syracuse.com, Syracuse has kept its turnovers to a minimum in wins in three losses at ACC play, it's 17.3 per game. That is a direct correlation to how Syracuse does. BC game, one reason they were able to keep the lead, keep pace, and keep just enough of a cushion to hold off Boston College, not only Tyus Battle's amazing game, and Buddy Beheim stepping in, 12 turnovers. So you're at home tomorrow against a team that you beat two weeks ago that does have a couple of guys that can score, but as I've been bringing up on this show, is a team... I don't recommend this, but it is a team I think you can patchwork a win against. Meaning, let's just look at Tuesday night for an example. Ty's battle, 23 points. Elijah Hughes, 17 points. O'Shea Brissett, double-double. A total of four players score in the game. Three do not. Marek Dolzhai, Frank Howard, Pascal Chukwu don't even score. You can beat Boston College that way. You can. Again, I don't recommend it. But you can. You can't beat Florida State that way. You can't beat, I think, even NC State, who's coming up next week. You certainly, I wouldn't advise that against Louisville, Duke, or North Carolina coming around the bend. This might be the last opportunity for Syracuse in the next five games after this to patchwork a win like that. You need everybody contributing. Jim Beheim will scream from the rooftops that you need Frank and, and, and Pascal To have a presence, certainly zeros in the box score that they put up the other night, isn't going to get it done. 
You need those players to have something. Of those two, Frank is more likely to fit the category of, well, he did something. I'm at the point where if Pascal does it, it's like, it's it's gravy. It's a bonus. I can't expect it anymore because he's just been so inconsistent at this point. Another key stat with Syracuse is three-point shots. As Mike points out, Syracuse is making 35% of its three-point attempts in conference games. It's fifth in the ACC. In its losses to Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and Florida State on Tuesday, Syracuse made just 25% of three-pointers. 21 out of 81 threes in those three games. When they make their threes, and I think you can describe this about a lot of teams, but for Syracuse it looks like this. And their seven ACC wins. They're shooting 40% from three-point range. 73 out of 184 in those seven games. A good percentage. So can the three-point shots erase the, a high turnover rate? The other thing is assists, and a lot of these turn into come up the floor, one pass, three-point shot, boom. That correlates to that stat I just put there. But when you look at the assist numbers, it often correlates to a Syracuse win or a loss. The other night, Florida State assisted on 25 of their 30 uh, field goals. Syracuse, I think, had eight in the whole game. So there's a pattern there. What I don't know is what Pascal Chuku is going to do, what Frank Howard's going to do, game in and game out, though he's more consistent than Pascal is. But there's certain stats that you can kind of see how it's going. And that Boston College game at Boston, I think Syracuse being at home this time around, getting things from a couple of players that they did not the first time around, should result in a win, and I think will. But one thing they really did key key in on, pardon me, and was successful at BC, turnovers. They only had 12 turnovers. Had they turned the ball over a little bit more, you give Kai Bowman or Chapman couple more possessions, and that game could have been a lot more interesting. I think the way Ty's battle was playing that night, like they just weren't going to lose. At home, in this situation, it should be different. Turnover-wise, but you never know how a team's going to shoot threes, so that'll be interesting to see. Each team has the advantage. Each team has the ability in the game plan to say, we just saw them, so what can we do different? Syracuse is certainly a more versatile team when it comes to what they're able to change around. Boston College, you know, they have to win a certain way with certain players, and they just don't match Syracuse depth talent-wise up and down the board. So after this, the patchwork will not work. The schedule gets tougher, and this is your – you do not want to slip on a banana peel here. You are 7-3 and three in ACC play right now. You don't want to be 7-4 and four after you play Boston College. You want to pile another ACC win on the table, take care of business, be 8-3 and three before you go in, into the teeth of that uh, very tough stretch the Orange have upcoming. 437-7644 is the phone number. Brent Tax Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644 if you want to hop on board. We've got plenty to do throughout the show, including we'll circle back on some SU Hoops talk. But my man, Liam McHugh, NBC Sports, former intern on this very program is going to join us to discuss a number of things. Next, looking forward to catching up with our guy, Liam. You're on the block. ESPN Radio. Hang in there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Hey there, welcome back. Verdict Toyota Hotline burning up today. 
guess. Lots of great guests. Chris Carlson just joined us. We heard from uh, Hurricane Beardsley earlier in the show. Leah McHugh, NBC Sports. Since we've been so stacked up with guests, we did not get to hot takes earlier, so that means we're not going to do hot takes, right? Wrong. We're going to do it right now. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. It's presented by the Press Room Pub, the number one sports and entertainment venue in central New York. Watch Syracuse BC there tomorrow. Just hang, have some drinks, have some great food at the great space. The Press Room Pub has space. There's lots of great places to sit. There's parking and plenty of it, 400 spots right outside. It's a cool place to hang anytime of Friday night to watch the game, whatever the case may be, in historic Herald Square in downtown Syracuse. Uh, Frank Robinson passed away, and I heard a very convincing argument today that Frank Robinson is one of the three most important players in the history of baseball, one of the most important figures in the history of baseball, and I'd be hard-pressed to counter that. The only player in Major League Baseball history to win MVPs in both the American League and National League. The first black manager in the history of baseball. Rookie of the Year, Gold Glove winner, Triple Crown winner. Two-time World Series champ, 14-time All-Star, then makes the transition, which a lot of great players can't do. Ted Williams couldn't do this. You know, A lot of the managers were good players, solid players, but there's not a lot of Hall of Famers that became managers. Frank Robinson did, had his number retired by three different teams, led the National League in slugging three years in a row from 60 to 62. Now, remember, this is Aaron, Mays, Banks, Stan Musial, Roberto Clemente are all in the league at that point. Now, the interesting thing about Mike or about Frank Robinson as Mike Francesa in his own unique Francesa way demonstrates. You know, if you do this, what what we've done here all these years, uh, and you do it on a daily basis, uh, you have to be flexible. You have to know that sometimes you're walking down the hall at 10 to 3, and whatever you were going to do stops and changes. And that happened today when I was walking down the hall at 10 to 3, and I heard Frank Robinson died, because that means you open the show with Frank Robinson dying. Uh, Frank Robinson was whether you liked him or not, and I couldn't stand him. Right out of the shoot there, Mike. Yeah, let us know how you really feel. It, here's the thing, though. F- Frank Robinson did have a very surly reputation. He was very kind of, if you didn't, if you weren't in the circle of trust, so to say, he could be very nasty and surly and, and treat certain people away that somebody of that stature, you know, would not, you would not want to treat people. By the way, Mike Francesa always, uh, you know, Someone is very compassionate and heartfelt when a legend passes away. Eddie in Hoboken, what's up, Eddie? Hey, what's up, Mike? What's happening? Hey, Mike, Stan Lee died today. Did you ever meet the guy? What do you think of him? Stan Lee? Yeah, Stan Lee. You I don't know who he Stan is. Lee? don't know who he is, no. Jesus. Who is he? Who is he? Who is Stan Lee? He was one of the creators of Marvel Comics. Oh, who cares? Mike Francis. Mike Francesa, ladies and gentlemen. That's hot. So LeBron James did not get Anthony Davis on the Lakers, but he did get him on his all-star team. 
and other pending free agents that he may or may not want to play with in the future for the upcoming player selection all-star game. LeBron also selecting Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, and Klay Thompson. <laughs> is, is, is it that tempering? No, no. <laughs> Shots fired Tem- uh, in Europe. Tempering rules, tempering rules does not apply on All-Star Weekend. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Freak. That was Giannis said. Isn't that tampering? <laughs> is, 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 isn't that tempering? Fantastic. Tampering does not apply for All-Star Weekend, but it applies the rest of the year, like maybe when your agent makes a trade demand that blows up in his face for Anthony Davis the past couple of days. You know who else, uh, while we're on the NBA front here, is... That's hot. I I guess for lack of a better term, blowing up here. Kevin Durant. I'm going to play this clip, and then we'll respond to it. This is Durant. Media hates the media, going off on the media, and... Let's take a listen. We've noticed that you hadn't talked for a while. Um, is it anything to do with anything on your mind, or has it just been coincidence that you haven't talked what, for some time? Why do you care? Because you'd usually talk. Uh, well, and I, feel like, I and feel like talking the last couple of days. It was anything in particular? No, I just didn't feel like it. Anything to do with conversation about free agency? Yeah, that's the conversation you're going to have. I don't think about that type of stuff. That's your job. You've obviously been around the noise for so long. Is it bothering you more this year? Is it louder this year? It's unnecessary. You got to do Ethan Strauss who come in here and <clears throat> just give his whole opinion on stuff and make it seem like it's coming from me. And he just walk around here, don't talk to nobody, just walk in here and survey and then write something like that. And now y'all piling on me because I don't want to talk to y'all about that. I have nothing to do with the Knicks. I don't know who traded Porzingis. They got nothing to do with me. I'm trying to play basketball. Y'all come here every day, ask me about free agency, ask my teammates, my coaches. You rile up the fans about it. Y'all let us play basketball. That's all I'm saying. And now when I don't want to talk to y'all, it's a problem with me. Come on, man. Grow up. Grow up. Yeah, you. Grow up. Come on, bro. I come in here and go to work every day. I don't cause no problems. I play the right way. I try to play the right way. I try to be the best player I can be every possession. What's the problem? What am I doing to y'all? I don't think anybody's doubting Kevin Durant's talent, his effort, how much work he puts in, but he's naive to think that we're just going to come in and talk basketball. I've mentioned this a lot recently with the trade deadline and everything that's gone on. I know he has nothing to do with, with Anthony Davis and LeBron, but the drama of who's going where fuels interest in the NBA. People are interested in this stuff. You're a free agent that has gone from Oklahoma City to Golden State. If Golden State wins another championship, he can go somewhere else. I mean, whether they win a championship or not, he can. But that will have a huge factor on what he decides to do as a free agent. This is part of the game, and I don't understand why athletes don't understand this. Fantasy sports, transactions, trades, where you could go, this is what fans talk about. The days of just focusing on the game are over. Whether you choose to talk to the media or not about that is your perspective, but every time he does, he comes across like a whiny child these days. And that's not just based on little clips like that. I've I've really thought about this a lot in, in this sense. Kevin Durant did four podcasts, I think even five. I might be wrong on that, but he's done a bunch of podcasts with uh, Bill Simmons. 
And if you listen to those podcasts, and I've listened to every word of those, he get he gets progressively more bitter about how he's treated, the spotlight that he's in. And to every time it comes across to me as naive, as just a guy who's like, if I put in the work and I play hard and I do this, you shouldn't speculate on these things. Well, that's sports, Kevin. That's great that you focus on what you do. And you are one of the most immensely talented players in the world. Nobody doubts that. But he doesn't seem to get the whole coverage of the game, fan interest in the game. Is the media always doing their job in the sense that benefits the player? No, we're not here to do that. We're not all your boys like boy, like Bill, just hanging and, and having great times doing podcasts. We've got a job to do. We have an audience who we talk to, we write for, we whatever the case may be. They're interested in this stuff. They don't wait till June to think about it. And I don't understand why people get so irritated about it. You don't have to discuss it. I would get irritated if my life was speculated about all the time, but I would also know the position I'm in and I can't control it. So why get upset about it? Right? Because there is speculation. He could go to the Knicks, could be one of those guys. Did he have something to do with the Porzingis trade? I mean, that is sports in a nutshell. The NBA thrives on the what could be, not the what if. So, Unfortunately for Durant, the people that are only interested in the game are far outweighed by those that want to play the speculation game. Every time he does talk to the media, he just comes across as a a spoiled, whiny child. Just let me play basketball and leave me alone. Like anybody that dares to speculate or question him in some way gets that treatment. He said the words grow up in that statement. I think we know maybe who's got to grow up in this situation. We'll break on that note. Come back with Seth Goldberg standing by. Speaking of having to grow up, my God. Let's go on the blind side next. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Haskins is no joke as well. I know that he's bigger. He can make all the requisite throws on the NFL level. He played for a big-time program at Ohio State. I just find him to be more of a runner than a thrower. I could be wrong about that, but that's what I find. Uh, Dwayne Haskins' stats at Ohio State last year. uh, Threw the ball 533 times, 4,831 yards, and 50 touchdowns. He had 103 rushing yards. He does not run at all. He, he does not run at all. Run at all. Seventy-nine rushing attempts. But you go on telling us he's more of a runner than a thrower. Thrown to Hunter Henry a lot. Stephen A. Too. Smith, ladies and gentlemen, here to comment on that comment is uh, ESPN. Stephen A. Smith. Crack. Very appropriate. Let's go on the blind side. Blind side. You're right there. I'm like, okay. My, what's okay? happening? I've got something in my teeth. I took out my mouse guard. Now let's go on the blind side. Uh, it is presented by Burdick Toyota, where you can go places in a new Toyota from Burdick Toyota at Drivers Village in Cicero from the hit Toyota lineup. The great fuel economy of the Corolla to the, you ready? Just just take a deep breath and get ready for it. The sheer power and towing capacity of the Toyota Tundra. It manages to get worse. Take advantage of a great lease deal now at Burdick Toyota. Visit BurdickToyota.com. Let's get it. It's time for the blind side. May fire when ready, command. Is LeBron taking Anthony Davis a form of tampering? I would think so. <laughs> it's kind of a subtle way. 
of tampering in a in a way you can, right? Like, hey, this guy should be on another one of my teams, right? He's very self-aware of tampering. I love that Ernie asked. The way Ernie asked that, yep, too, was perfect. That was hilarious. How much AAF will you be watching? I don't know. And I don't say that in a bad way. I just say that in a, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch this. But if I happen to be sitting down watching television, I know it's on, I will tune it in. Am I going to make an appointment TV? At some point, maybe, because I'm curious. But it's, I'm kidding myself. because you know It's going to be bad football. Getting into the weekend and doing the things that I do and watching Syracuse and covering Syracuse and just knowing my viewing habits, it'll be accidental. It'll be one of those things I'll be flipping around like, oh, there it is. You think it's going to be bad football? I think it's going to be like a half step up from college. Like a baby step. Is that bad football? I guess we'll see. I mean, like for a professional Some league, good it is. players in that league, but that's it. They're good players, not great players. I mean, your quarterbacks are Christian Hackenberg and Zach Mettenberger. How, how good I is your and John Wolford? Me. John Wolford is starting for a team. How good? Like how good is this league going to be? See, like I, John Wolford might actually be really good in a league like maybe because he's know. not good enough for the NFL. But he was an excellent college player, as we unfortunately saw one time when he yeah, put he up was about ex- look nine hundred and sixty yards in a single he was, game. He was good for a year. Uh, is it weird that the Grizzlies announced they are going to retire Markle's number in the same press release that they announced they traded him? You know what? That is weird, but I give them credit for doing. I like how they immediately recognize, like, this is what he means to this team, this city, this organization. We're trading you, but... It was more like... It, it, it was more like we're trading. It was more like we're trading you, and in the owner's comment at the end of it was, "One day his number will hang in the rafters alongside." Yeah. No, I kind of like that. I, I, I respect. It was weird. I like that. I don't think it's weird. I think it's respect. Fine. Uh, I mean, if, everybody. This happens. Like legends move on. Joe Montana left the Niners, and, and guys go to different teams. But you know what they mean. Like Ray Bork got traded from the Bruins to the Avalanche. Didn't make Bruins fans happy that guy went somewhere to basically be rented to win a Stanley Cup there and not Boston. But this happens. He's still a legend in Boston. He still retires number there. But it's one of those things. Thurman Thomas signed for the Dolphins for a year. Yeah, but they didn't announce it when they were like, "Hey, we're not getting Thurman Thomas anymore. He's going to come back and be in our Ring of Honor next year." Though it's not so weird to me. I think All it's right. kind of cool. Actually, That's, okay, fine. If you count 20 houses on your right going to school okay. and 20 houses on your left coming home from school, yep. how many houses have you counted? 20. Yes. Yeah! <laughs> I finally got one of these right. Yes! Nice! Boom! Because it's the same 20 houses. That is correct. Because, yes. yeah, you know, you, you're right going to exactly. and you're left coming... Back or the I same. got that yeah. one. I don't know why, there but I just I, I nailed that. Nailed it. Boom. You sure you didn't see the answer I on did my not. paper? Okay. I did okay. not. Uh, my uni- brain does work sometimes. Universal DH, yes or no? <sighs> I guess. Oh, come on. It's not going the other way. Like, if I had my choice, if I had my choice, it's National League rules in both oh, leagues. Stop it. What do you mean, stop it? Stop it. Universal DH? Yes. Because pitchers can't hit. That's what I like. It moves the game along. Let's go. No, no, stop it. You want everybody in that lineup to be able to hit? Yes. 
I just love National League games because they take like two and a half hours. And I'm an American League Liar. fan. I am a Red Sox fan. But I, we're, You know, the, the DH was supposed to be a temporary solution. That was like 1973. 45 years 45 ago. 45 years ago. And I guess we're at the point where... <sighs> Look, they're trying to speed the game up, right? They're trying to move things along. When you add another hitter to the lineup, that it doesn't accomplish that feat. That's all I'm saying. But it makes it a better product. Does it? Yes. Not every DH is David Ortiz. You know? Doesn't matter. The worst hitter in the league is significantly better than the best hitting pitcher in the league. The worst hitting I pitcher. I just in the, like to the, see pitchers best, bad. It's so but they, awkward. But they're all awful at it. They get they they wear the jackets. They're all terrible at it. They are. I don't want to see it. I kind of like get them off my field. So I guess give me the DH. Whatever. Can I have a pitch clock? Yes. Okay. I want a pitch clock. Okay. There you go. That's a good trade off. We'll head down the home stretch next. You're on the block. ESPN Radio. Nailed that, baby. 20. Both sides of the fence. Thank you. Bye-bye.